So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Common Sea Inspirations on this, the 29th of August, the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present the programme today, Shannon Broach. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we doing? Good, thanks, Shane, for joining me this morning. And I know you'll join with me in welcoming those listeners who are housebound and lonely and struggling in some way. We do hope that uh, our listeners will enjoy what we got lined up for you today. But again, most importantly, thank you indeed for your support each week, especially in prayer. Our programme at this stage, uh, I assume listeners would be aware, but for new listeners, uh, our programme includes interviews on faith topics, inspirational music, and reflecting on the Sunday Gospel. And all of our programmes can be heard at commonseeinspirations.buzzsprout.com. That's commonseeinspirations, all one word, .buzzsprout.com. And on our blog, uh, sacredspace102.blogspot.com, where in the early days, Shane put up all of our programs for the first eight or nine years. Also, um, our programs are available on Spotify and iTunes, and of course on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Come and See Inspirations. Of course, these, uh, these programs are available for people who locally, and also for those of our listeners who join us from all over the world. If you want to contact us at all by email, it's come and see inspirations that excuse me, come and see inspirations at gmail.com. Or you can contact us by text and that's at 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. For those who might want to text us from abroad, just include 0035387-6088-667. And as usual, this time of the morning, we invite Shane to share with us some saints for the week. Thanks, Shane. Sure, John. So this week, um, so it's the, sorry, as John said, it's the 22nd week in ordinary time. Uh, so for those of us praying the Psalter, we're in week two. So Monday, <clears throat> the 30th of August, is the feast day of St. Fiacre. Now, Fiacre is an interesting one. He was an Irish man who went abroad to seek a hermitage, and he went through Normandy and ended up in a place called uh, Briol, I think it's called Briol in France, and he stayed there until his death around 670. Now, the interesting thing about Fiacre is he's actually one of the patron saints of taxi drivers in France. No idea how he got that, but that's 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 what he is. I assume there weren't taxi drivers in those days? No, I don't think no? there was. Okay. No. Uh, the 31st of August is the feast day of St. Aidan of Lindisfarne. So Aidan was of Irish descent, was a monk of Iona, and when Oswald, the exiled king of Northumbria, who had fled for refuge to Iona, returned to his throne in 634, he invited Aidan to come to reconvert his people, and Aidan made his headquarters on the island of Lindisfarne. And with the aid of the king as interpreter, he was very successful, and he died in 651. And of course, Lindisfarne is still a place of pilgrimage to this day. And if I'm not mistaken, John, it is actually uh, an island that's cut off by the tide. Um, uh, so you you have to watch it when you're visiting to make sure that you're back over in time that you're not cut off by the tide when you're visiting it today. September the 1st is the feast day of St. Giles. Giles is an interesting saint. He was originally Greek and he ended up somehow in France. Um, he wanted basically to be a hermit and to be away from all and uh, hermit in a cave in the Diocese of Nines, I think is how you pronounce it. And then he was interrupted one of the days by a royal hunting party when an injured deer ended up in his cave. And um, the, the hunting party were looking for the deer. They sent another arrow in and they, had, they hit Giles in the leg. So the king sent doctors to look after him and then he became an advisor to the king. And eventually founded the monastery of St. Giles de Garde. And he was its first abbot and later became a Benedictine house. Uh, he is the patron saint of those against epilepsy, against epilepsy, against insanity, leprosy, beggars in particular, because he depended on, on, on divine providence for his support, of hermits, of lepers, of uh, paupers, and abandoned people. So that's St. Giles, who we celebrate on the 1st of September. As we mentioned on last week's program, first September is also the first day of the work, is the day of prayer for the care of creation and the beginning of the season of creation. So that was last week's uh, program we had with uh, Betty and Rose about the season of creation as well. Thursday, the 2nd of July, or sorry, 2nd of September, I beg your pardon, 
is the feast day of Blessed Ingrid of Sweden. Now, she's an interesting one. She died in 1282 in Sweden of natural causes. And she's noted as being uh, one of the first Dominican nuns in Sweden. She founded a Dominican monastery or cloister and served as its prioress. Unfortunately, the monastery itself was destroyed during the Reformation. So that's Blessed Ingrid on Tuesday. And then on Friday, the 3rd of September, is the first Friday of the month, folks, for those observing the devotion. It is the feast day of St. Gregory the Great, who died in 604 AD. He was a Roman noble who was prefect of the city before becoming a monk. He was elected pope and established a patron for the papacy in years to come. Associated very much with uh, music, musicians, right down to the current day, the traditional chant of the church is Gregorian chant. And he is one of the patron saints of musicians up there with St. Cecilia. He sent missions to Lombardy, to Sardinia, and of course to England as well. I think he was the Pope that sent St. Augustine to, to Canterbury. And then finally, on Saturday, the 4th of September, so again, for those observing the devotion, that's the first Saturday. So this feast on the day is St. Magnissi, um, who takes his name from his mother. It's claimed that Patrick baptized him and taught him the Psalms. And he's associated very much with the Diocese of Connor and later became the Bishop of his clan. He died sometime in the 6th century. So that's what we have, John, in terms of Saints of the Week for this week. Shane, thank you for sharing those with us. At this point of the programme, um, we'll pray a spiritual communion. And this is for those who can't receive Jesus uh, at Mass, because for one reason or another, maybe they're housebound. But this is a spiritual communion prayer. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we'll go for our first bit of music this morning, and this one is by Carrie Landry, and it's entitled Circle of Guide. Come back and join us again in part two, where we've got a special guest joining us this morning.
part two of the podcast program this morning. My name is Shane Ambrose. Delighted to have you with us. Uh, myself and John are still manning, John is manning the machine and we're delighted this morning to have a guest uh, on the podcast this morning, Bishop Brendan Lee. Good morning, Bishop Brendan. Good morning, Shane. Good to see you or hear from you, Shane. How are you? That's all right. That's okay. And how are you keeping in these COVID times? Well, thank God we're moving on now and it's great to see so many people vaccinated and that people are Generally now, especially with the Limerick victory, all a bit more upbeat and looking forward to the future. So let's hope uh, it was good to hear the Minister for Health saying the other day that even by Christmas, we might have all the restrictions lifted. That would be fantastic. So I'm Mm. keeping well with that hope. Very good. Yeah, I think it's very much time of trying to keep people uh, keep people on on message, I suppose, is the term I'd use, but trying just to keep people focused more than anything else. And I suppose we're, as we're in the last uh, stages of the, the national vaccination program, I note with interest Pope Francis's recent intervention uh, in the Americas uh, in terms of supporting in terms of supporting the, the vaccination programs there, where he described vaccination vaccinations that have been duly approved by a proper authority as an act of love. And I thought it was an interesting um, it was an interesting way of phrasing it particularly given that there's still vaccine hesitancy out there. Yes, I mean, it's a lovely expression and it is wonderfully encouraging to see here in Ireland in general, there has been a great take up on the vaccine. I know some countries, maybe a bit more in the United States, there are pockets of of people being nervous. uh, So in some cases about the vaccine itself in terms of health, some nervous maybe more about the morality of something that might have been linked, as we know, uh, in some cases to the, 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 the cell lines. But in general here in Ireland, as bishops themselves have said, really moral, morally, it's okay to take vaccines. And I think Pope Francis puts it even more positively saying it's an act of love in the sense that, you know, you really are doing something for the, not just for your own good, but you're doing it also to try and build up this famous herd immunity that we can have together in Ireland for the benefit of people all over the country, young and old. And it's uh, we'll wait and see, wait and see how it goes. So one of the one of the things we wanted to talk to you this morning about, Bishop Brendan, is uh, synods. We're coming out our ears in synods at the moment. Um, if you turn, you can't turn a page in a religious newspaper without hearing about a synod somewhere in the world. Um, I, I noticed with interest. So the English diocese have started it. The Australians are in the process for plenary. And now Pope Francis has added to the mix, and as we are adding to the mix as well here in Ireland. So there was two things just, I suppose, for you to, we wanted to kind of to introduce to people, uh, because there, might, there hasn't been a whole lot of coverage about it just yet. And the first one is the Irish bishops, in your wisdom, you have decided we're going to have uh, a national synod. Now, I know the official launch is in September, October, and we'll cover it closer to the time again. But just, I suppose, briefly, what would you say to Joe and Mary Soap sitting in the pew this morning, kind of going, what on earth is that about? Well, look, I suppose, even though it's very obvious, and maybe I'm repeating it, and maybe people say, look, we know all this. Nevertheless, it's worth repeating it. The word synod, which can be a bit of a strange word for some people, is made up of two words, which means basically journeying together. Journeying together. It's a Greek word, synod, but we use it in English. And it means walking talking, being together, trying to work things out together. For the church, that means in a very specific sense, trying to understand the roadmap, the navigation map that God wants for us at this time. In other words, we're on a journey. We know things are not easy in terms of the church. We've had major changes in the past 50 years. But look, we've got the possibility now of, as it were, opening up our GPS, they call it nowadays, as we're guided in our cars, through these navigation maps, we are now being given a chance 
together, all of us, try and listen, especially listen, but also work out together what are the directions, what does God want us to focus on moving forward. And this is important for us in Ireland. We have, as you know, a huge tradition, very ancient. We're one of the most you know, ancient countries in the Christian world. We have wide extension for one time, some maybe 50 years ago, proportionately with the highest number of missionaries in the world. So our extension has gone vast. During the week, I know you may have seen it, a wonderful program nationwide about a sister, Sister Ethel Normoyle, who was a company of Mary's sister. She was here in Limerick in her novitiate, but she's from Clare. But she did the most incredible work down in South Africa, acclaimed by everybody. She got the Tipperary Peace Prize. A wonderful person. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that Irish people have gone all over the world with the church doing wonderful good. In our history and tradition, we have a massive treasure trove of traditions, heritage, writings, poetry, texts. But look, we're not a museum. The church is living. The church is alive. So we're going forward into a new time with new demands, new pressures. If you want, it's as if we're moving into a new continent. And just as like we send missionaries all over the world, we now ourselves have to be the missionaries in the new continent, continent that we're moving into now. And the synod for the church is this process what we call a synodal pathway rather than the synod. It's a process whereby we'll try together, and that's the important bit, together, not just the bishops, not just a few lay people, not just a few experts, not just a few theologians, together try to listen to what God is pointing out to us. Now, certainly in all of that, each of us will have our role. So that's really, I would say it's an opportunity, as you say, for people in the pew to say, look, I'm not just passively here. I'm an active member of the church. I have something to give. I have something to say. And we've all got something to learn from each other. Mm. But could I, could, I, could I play devil's advocate a minute, Bishop Brendan, and just kind of ask a question to you? Um, in terms of, I suppose, expectations that might uh, arise in relation to it, because I think one of the challenges that we have at the moment is the disconnect that's sometimes perceived to be there between the church's teachings and different things in the modern world. And I suppose there would be, I suppose there'd be a question that would be raised that people will bring these things to the table. Some of it, obviously, we can listen and journey together and potentially there are ways that things might change. But for some things as well, they can't, you know, or they, they won't be, we won't be able to change it. And so th there's the risk there that people might say, well, you know, you didn't listen to us. You didn't change because we didn't do what they wanted to do. So I suppose my question is how, how, and it's not just with Senna, that's just life in general, but how do we manage that kind of expectation, that kind of concern that people might have? Yeah, look, I think we're entering into it with an open mind, an open heart. You know, if we overly worry about a conversation or a dialogue, you kind of the risk is we could almost before we get going, have a kind of uh, a fence built up around ourselves. Whereas, look, I think we go into it with an attitude of openness. It is true to say, of course, it's true to say that not every voice, everything, every person, every word will be said either by the bishops or by anybody else will be the ultimate definitive word. word. But there is something going on here that Pope Francis talks about. And I just want to use as another one of his words, maybe slightly it's a word we don't normally use, but it is maybe a word that we're increasingly beginning to use. And the word is discernment, discernment. In other words, it's a spiritual tradition. We've, tried, we've got to try to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. You know, in the monasteries years ago, St. Benedict, when he would have his meetings in the communities, he would say, let's be very careful here. It might be the youngest person who seems to be the person least trained, least formed, who has something for us that we need to hear as the voice of God. Whereas maybe the greatest monk with the greatest studies might not be the person. Equally, the person who's shouting the loudest, the person who's making the most, the person who is maybe people applauding them, that might not be the voice of God. So really what we're talking about is discerning what is God's voice in the middle of all of this. Now, we do have to listen to everybody's voice, because maybe in the middle of everything, somebody has something to say that is of God. But I think we've all got to accept none of us is God. 
we have to be humble, like little children. That's what the gospel tells us. Certainly, the bishops will have their role to play. We know the gift of faith is given to us as a gift. We didn't create it. We didn't make it up. So it's not about making up another church or another faith. No, we're not about that. But we are about understanding, and that may mean new understandings of what the faith means and how it can be lived today. And that's what's important. Uh, If we overly worry about the exercise, I think we're bringing a pressure into a conversation that isn't needed. Um, But you're right. Of course, we have to be clear. We have to be clear. It is true to say that the faith isn't there as something that can just be kind of uh, rewritten. Jesus has given us the gospel. He is the gospel. We can't rewrite him. Synodality, as I said at the top, it's a very, um, it's very often, it's a very common word we're listening to at the moment. Uh, you know, for example, there's there's a there's also a, a national synod going on in Germany that is creating quite a lot of stirs at the moment. But um, it also links in with something that Pope Francis is doing, which is that, uh, and we've covered it a number of times on the program previously, is the Synod of Bishops that meets in Rome. So Pope Francis has decided that the next topic for the, the Bishop of the Synod of Bishops in Rome to discuss and reflect on is actually the issue of synodality itself. But this time around, there's going to be a slight bit of a, a bit of a twist to the process, if you like, because it's actually going to start more at the local level and the national level before going up to a regional level. So I suppose. Um, are we and, and now we we had announced the national synod before Pope Francis came out with this idea? So are we kind of linking the two in, or what way is that working? Yes, it's true that in the past fifty years, since the Second Vatican Council, bishops have been meeting in synods every two, three years ago years and having a conversation and on topics to do with the church. Pope Francis has said this time around, in order to really prepare, he wants parishes, dioceses, groups movements, associations, bridges, orders, to be involved. So questionnaires, talking, focus groups, he wants that taking place all over the church. And part, as you said, the topic is, how is it we live synodality? So the very questions you're talking about, how do we live synodality? How do we be careful not to go outside our parameters? And all? That is what he wants us to talk about now, first of all. So what we're going to do is the first year of our phase of the Synod in Ireland, we're hoping the synodal process in Ireland will be five years. The first year of it will be dedicated in part to this very question. What is synodality? How best should it work? What's the way to go about? How, how can we learn? to be uh, journeying together, talking together, listening to each other in communion with one another. So that's the first year. So we will be devising, as it were, when we get ourselves up and running, which we're hoping now in the next two or three weeks to be ready with, uh, a way of rolling out across parishes and the diocese. Um, Yeah, a process, we could say, of listening, talking, reflecting together. But -hmm. I should say, and this is something I want to just emphasize, Synodality isn't just about the meeting in Rome or a meeting or meetings that we might have in five years' time. Synodality, I think, and we're beginning to understand this more deeply for Pope Francis, is about a new way, as it were, of being church together. Not just going to church together, but being church together. In other words, not just going to the Mass on Sunday and saying our prayers, actually as a community, living together our faith, sharing together our faith, doing projects together as a community. This is something I think we have to enter into more deeply. Okay. And in terms of um, other things that are going on at the moment, um, one of the things that was recently done from, from by Pope Francis, he, now you'd have to forgive my Latin here, it's not exactly the greatest, but he issued a motu proporio, which is basically a piece of legislation on his own authority. And it dealt with the usage and regulation of what we would call the traditional Latin Mass, so the Tridentine Mass or the Mass of 1962. So I suppose, um, for those that might be interested, do we have uh, Mass celebrated in the diocese in, in, the, in, in the 1962 ritual? Yes, we have an institution in Limerick City, the Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest. They celebrate the Mass in that liturgy. That's the only point we have in the diocese. So that's the only one that would be covered really by this uh, new, as you say, motu proprio on the part of the Pope. Really, I think this issue was more an issue in other countries than it is in Ireland. 
mm. it, it hasn't really been a major significant of major significance for us in Ireland generally speaking there are a few people but generally speaking a very small number who would like the mass in the Latin in the not so much the Latin because that, that that that's not the issue but rather in the Tridentine rite which is the older form of the mass mm. um so we don't have many asking for it in Ireland. So it really hasn't been or isn't a really a major issue in Ireland. In Limerick, we have the one place where it does take place. The one the one thing that caught my eye with the Popish the letter that accompanied the, the piece of legislation, and it was one thing, the one piece that caught my eye was um it was it was a letter to all the bishops, because obviously, of course, bishops are the 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 person at the local level with responsibility for, for liturgy. And he he was saying, I ask you, as in the bishops, to be vigilant in ensuring that every liturgy be celebrated with decorum and fidelity to the liturgical books programmated after the Vatican Council without the eccentricities that can easily denigrate into abuses. And I thought it was an interesting one because, of course, one of the one of the complaints that people who are attached to the, the Tridentine rites have is that sometimes the, the liturgies that we have in Ireland, that, well, that we have, that we have every day, aren't exactly life-affirming. Sometimes liturgy in itself can, you know, it's it can be quite rote. To use an expression, sometimes people say mass is boring. So I suppose there is a challenge for us there from from in you know from a from a liturgical perspective that liturgies are life-affirming, would you say? Yeah, well liturgy in itself is beautiful. In other words, when you have liturgy in itself, something deep happens at a liturgy. Now I think a person of faith going to a church where a liturgy is taking place will always uh, tune in to something deep that's going on at the Mass. Uh, the issue, I suppose, is more where maybe faith isn't so strong or whatever, then the liturgy becomes like simply a ritual or a, a, as if the person is going to um, some kind of an event. So they're just kind of looking at it almost from outside and maybe can find it boring because it just has these elements. But I think for people of faith, the issue is more faith than the liturgy itself, in my view. Um, one thing, one other thing, I suppose, just to ask you, Bishop Brendan, um, there was, I, I don't know if you, you saw the recent article um, uh, by by Archbishop Dermot Farrell in Dublin. And, he, and now, unfortunately, I myself haven't been able to get my hands on the full article he did. It was with the one of the, the, the Shield, which is the annual journal of the National Synod. So unfortunately, I'm only relying on what was reported in the Irish Times. But the comments that were used that Catholic Archbishop Dublin says belief has vanished in Ireland, but that reduced numbers may afford an opportunity to reimagine the institutional church. And I suppose it was it was um, it was an interesting one because he focused on an underlying crisis of faith that was particularly acute among younger generations. And I suppose I was just wondering, what would your own thoughts on that be? Oh, well, it's a huge topic. <laughs> what you're mentioning there, like my few thoughts on it now in two or three minutes, it's a massive, massive topic. We're moving into an era, we are in an era, of huge change. I mean, Pope Francis is very famous for saying this, not just a, a change uh, in an era, it's an era, not just an era of change, it's a change of era. In other words, it's not just that there's a few changes going on, we're actually in the middle of a massive change in general. So I think we need to be calm and re recognize that. Ireland has moved through major eras of change before the Vikings came and the whole church setup collapsed for about 300 years. The Reformation came, massive disturbance for two or 300 years. So we're not, uh, it's not something we, we don't know about. What is happening now is clearly a sign that we're being shaken from a certain shaping of the church into understanding a new way. And I think part of that new way will be a new, deep, a more interior understanding of what the church is, not just going along being a member of the church, but having the church as something that is your home in which you interiorize what's going on. So for instance, last week, uh, weekend, I was with a group of young people and they're young adults, not, not a huge number, but a certain number of young adults, but great faith, great devotion, interior, as, as we're belonging to the life of the church, we're talking about going on a hike in September. So there are young people around, maybe not the huge numbers of of years ago, but they are beginning. They are the seeds of a new kind of culture, which it will develop in Ireland, because while we were able to take the church for granted for many, many years, 
the fact is we don't now. And so now young people are beginning to realise, well, actually, if I believe this or if this is something that is important for me, I have to stand up for it. And that's beginning to happen. So, yes, in one sense, many things collapse, many things have vanished. So in that sense, Archbishop Bermers is right. But also, and I know he'd be the first to say it too, there are the beginnings of something new, but that'll take time. I, I don't want to say we have a magic wand and in 50 years' time, we'll all see the churches sort of get. That's not going to be the way it's going to be. Mm. No, I have to say that in the article, he, he wasn't pessimistic. Um, I have to say he, he, he did look at him as a positive, as an opportunity. So I think that's that's something that we need to remind ourselves uh, when we when, when we reflect on this. So um, thanks, Ego. So thanks, thanks for that, Bishop Brendan. Um, so just as we as we come to the kind of the end of our chat today, um, if, if there's any other thoughts you'd want to, you want to maybe to share with listeners this morning, I know, for example, next week, the first of September, is the is the first day of the of the season of creation, and, and Betty Baker and Rose were on last week to tell us about some of the great things that the diocese is doing. Um, is there anything else maybe that you'd like to share with people this morning? Well, yes, this is a new initiative that Pope Francis has launched some years back now from the 1st of September until the 4th of October, which is the Feast Day of St. Francis. We focus on creation as a gift from God. It's the, our home, as it were. And the church is a new sense that we must help to protect our home. And we take small initiatives to do that. So we pray naturally. We watch ourselves in terms of the environment. We promote the care of the environment. And we in the Diocese of Limerick, we're going to have stuff on our website, on our Facebook, little mottos for the day. We're going to have a Zoom conversation. I think this coming this coming week, we hope the 1st of September in the evening time at half seven. We're going to have a um, launch of the season of creation with a reflective prayer at half seven. That's the 1st of September, Wednesday. Then we're going to also hopefully have a tree initiative, tree planting initiative that will involve young people. That'll be later on, maybe in early October. But in the meanwhile, we'll have things going on on Sunday, liturgies. We'll have special prayers during the liturgies. We have prayer services which people can do for the during the week, practical actions they can take. So they'll all be available as well on our website. website and I'd encourage people to really move into this. It's one of the new signs of the Holy Spirit look after creation, promote it, it's God's gift, it's our home, let's love our creation. That's maybe something that's coming to us as well. Okay, brilliant. Bishop Brendan, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're delighted to have you on the podcast. Thanks very much, Shane, and to John. Well done. So now we might go for a second piece of music, and this one, it's a worship song, and it's entitled, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. So join us again in part three, where we read and reflect on the Word of God.
So welcome back again to the third part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Kinney, still joined by Shannon Ambrose. And in this part of the program, each week we read and reflect on the Word of God. Um, before that, Shane will share a prayer. We always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Jen. So the Gospel for today, the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time, is taken from the Gospel of Mark. The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, and they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with unclean hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and the Jews in general follow the tradition of the elders and never eat without washing their arms as far as the elbow. And on returning from the marketplace, they never eat without first sprinkling themselves. There are also many other observances which have been handed down to them concerning the washing of cups and pots and bronze dishes. So these Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not respect the tradition of the elders but eat with the food? but eat their food with unclean hands. And he answered, It was of you, hypocrites, that Isaiah so rightly prophesied in his passage of Scripture, The people honour me with only lip service, while their hearts are far from me. The worship they offer me is worthless. The doctrines they teach are only human regulations. You put aside the commandment of God to cling to human traditions. He called the people to him again and said, Listen to me, all you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a man from outside can make him unclean. It is the things that come out of a man that make him unclean. For it is from within, from men's hearts, that evil intentions emerge. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, malice, deceit, indecency, envy, slander, pride and folly. All these evil things come from within and make a man unclean. So that's the Gospel for today, the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Yeah, it's just brief thoughts this week, John. Um, As you said, we're back in with Mark uh, on this week's Gospel. So we're we're going to continue with Mark for the next couple of weeks. And we have here one of those encounters with the, the, the religious leaders at the time um, when Jesus was, was, was here on earth. And it's that whole conflict there with the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees in particular were very um, attentive to the tradition and the interpretation of the, the, Jew, the Jew, Jewish dietary and ritual laws. I think there's something. I think there's something like 613 of them, or something like that, um, and that they that they, that that was a requirement um, for them to fulfil. And it's interesting, you know, some of some of the some of the some of the dietary some of the dietary rules, some of the, the ritual rules, you know, there is an, actually an underlying logic to them. But uh, it, you know, particularly for people that are living in in a warm part of the world, for example, in terms of cleanliness and and, and that kind of thing, but and it's, it's an important thing, I suppose, for us to remember that those uh, rules, those regulations, they were not handed down in a draconian point, from a draconian point of view, but they were ways of building a relationship throughout the Old Testament between God and his chosen people. And, you know, if you like, you know, it was, it was a budding relationship and they're like guardrails, you know, that were put in place. Uh, to guide to guide the relationship as people grew in their relationship with Yahweh, and um, but when we get to to this stage, of course, just like has happened in, in our own time and in the history even of our in, of the church, is that sometimes the rules in, have become a means in and of themselves, and not a recognition of what they are there to try and do. 
you know, it's 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 like the rules of the road, you know. Um, they're there at the moment. We don't see them as draconian. We don't necessarily see them as impinging on our civil liberties. They're there so that everyone gets around in a safe manner using the public highway. So the idea, I suppose, is that you know the 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 the, the guidance that has built up with the faith over the years is 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 supposed to be understood in that kind of a context in terms of helping us to develop our relationship with God in and answering the call that is there for each and every one of us from our baptism. Um, but Jesus challenges, I suppose, that fossilization of rules that has occurred. And he very much challenges that kind of, as you know, that focus on antiquity and that focus on 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 limiting things, um, if you like, strangling the, the the ability of the spirit to be able to blow, to be able to flow, um, you know that that's there. And it's also the reminder, the very important reminder, that externalities are not necessarily what counts. You know, and it's something which is picked up again and again in the Old Testament, which Jesus picks up in the, in the Gospels is that it is very much what is in the interior heart that is what God examines. And it's a reminder to us, this Sunday's Gospel is very much a reminder to us that we have to be careful that the practice of faith, practice of religion, doesn't become about observing exteriorities and, you know, not degrading, not degenerating. It's like you know, just someone that says, "Well, I, you know, I say my prayers, I do my rosary, I go to mass. What more do I have to do?" Um, yes, they are all very important things. They are all key things. Uh, we have to, we have to pray. We have to spend time in prayer. We have to attend the sacraments. We have to go to mass. It's the source and summit of the faith. But outwardly participating and doing those things makes no difference if it doesn't lead us to that metanoia, that conversion, that turning back to God. And I think for me, that's what comes out of the Sunday Gospel this week in terms of that reminder that Jesus, so that statement that Jesus makes, that it's not what goes into a person that necessarily makes evil. It's what comes out of the heart. It what comes out from their inner being that we need to look at, that we need to consider that we need to hold up against those rules and regulations and see, are we living up to the standards that are set? And it's not easy. You know, it's not an easy thing to do, something that we have to reflect on. So I would have said this particular week's Sunday Gospel is not an easy Gospel to listen to. I think for all of us, there are challenges there, and it's one that we need to take and ponder and reflect on in the coming week. Shane, thank you for those thoughts. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, today um, Jesus is speaking with the, with the Pharisees and the, and the scribes. But he's also asking us maybe the same questions that he asked those. I mean, do you honour the commandments of God or the commandments of or the laws of the land? Do I put it aside, for instance, living my own life, the teachings of Jesus and follow the teachings and the tradition of the laws and regulations that we all know from time to time? There are certain laws and regulations that come in to um, to each nation from time to time, uh, they don't follow the law that God would like us to follow. I need to pay attention to the word of God when I hear it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide me in the teachings that I need to follow. And when I'm faced with a choice to obey God, God's regulation and God, or human regulation, I need always to ask the Holy Spirit to guide me to choosing always to follow God's way. So that about finishes the end of the programme for this week. Thank you again, Shane, for, for joining me. Uh, hopefully we'll, no do, problem, we'll do it all again next week. In the meantime, we'll go out with a final piece of music, and it's uh, by Mark, <laughs> Mark Forrest, and this one is entitled I Believe. So next week for myself and Shane, thanks again for joining us. We'll try and do it all again next week. All right, bye-bye. Bye now. falls a flower grows 
I believe that somewhere in the darkest tonight a candle glows I believe for everyone who goes astray someone will come and show